back, loyal listeners. Welcome, new listeners, to Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 20, Home Records. And with me, as always, is Jen. Hello, everyone. So, this was a good episode, much better than last week. I think it was a little unbalanced. There was, there was a few things that I didn't care as much for, but overall, I enjoyed it. A lot of laughs. I remember th- thinking I liked it more than I ended up liking it, but... The highs were high, so. Yeah, there's some really good, memorable scenes in this. Um, I don't really have anything to set up, to start us off. We didn't have any emails this week. We took a little, you know, there's been some gaps in our ability to be able to podcast, but I think hopefully, at least for a couple of weeks, we should be back in rhythm. Nothing to add, Chad? Oh, I'm <laughs> just here for the ride. Okay. So why don't we just go ahead and get started on this one. We are starting out, we start off with a narrator talking about making big decisions that change their lives forever. And this is his story. So we're at, we're at Ted's apartment and we start off with Clint being Clint. He was always saying stuff like... Ted? <laughs> um... I want to get into this, but yeah, let's let's read this together, because <laughs> I like the rhythm of this. Okay. I'll be Clint. Ted, your mother's a very, very erotic woman. Please don't. As a painter slash songwriter slash volunteer fear fighter, I find her incredibly sexual. But you have your own sexual memories with your mom, don't you? Please don't. Exiting her room, receiving her milk. You get me? Good. Oh, so cringe. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done to know what have a, some boundaries. I don't know what a volunteer fear fighter does. I was going to ask you if you knew what that meant. Um, I assume he helps, he considers himself sort of a guru that helps people deal with their fears. Okay. I think he fancies himself a counselor at some point because we see a little of that in season nine when, oh, he makes, when he makes a couple appearances. I could buy that explanation. But we get a lot of please don'ts and oh god, you know, there's a lot of. <laughs> Ted's having a rough go this Ted's episode. verbal cringes as we enjoy throughout this episode. Right. And then Clint gets up and goes somewhere. I'm not sure where he goes off to. And we get Victoria. There's, yeah, there's a, little, a lot of little misleads in this. Mm-hmm. Cannot believe I'm with that man. And you think <laughs> she's like upset about it because like, oh God, like listen to what he was saying. And Ted tries to reassure her like, no, there's plenty of other guys. Just, He's so cool. And he picked me. Yeah, the, the level of excitement she says that with. She really <laughs> delivers this line. Right. So they have an announcement to make. They sort of surround him and are hugging him, as he calls Ted's son. <laughs> so we know what's going on there. And then I guess they all go down to the bar and have drinks with everybody. And then the Ted's just kind of in the background, just chugging his beer. Yeah, He's freaking out about this. He talks about how his mom's lapping him. I don't know if this is lapping him. I've sort of been thinking about this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some parents get divorced early and remarried when the kids are still kids. Yeah, I feel like if she was going on her third, or if she got married and he got married and then she divorced and got married again, that's a lap. I I don't know that this is a lap. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Although he's trying to be optimistic. Maybe he'd even meet his future wife at this wedding. They got him dancing with what I assume is an aunt of his. So while we're at the wedding, the gang's all there. Victoria and Clint come up. She's effervescent in her happiness. 
She says that she feels like she's 19 again. It's like the last 35 years of her life never happened. And then we get sort of a sitcom. It's so wonderful to hear mom. Right. Somehow Clint thinks a way of showing Ted that his mom and Clint will always be there for him is to gift him with a nude portrait of the two of them. That he painted. And There's a guitar. Let me, let me describe it. <laughs> sure. It's... Clint and Virginia in or the Virginia, nude. Virginia, did I say Victoria? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you did. I think I did. Clint and Virginia are in the nude. She's kind of behind him, holding him from behind. Clint is very muscular <laughs> in this capture of himself. He's holding a guitar. Yeah, kind of blocking. Which I guess wasn't actually there. <laughs> and I've got to say, he's a much better painter than Lily. <laughs> That is true. This thing is huge. This thing is like as tall as Ted, probably. If yeah. Not taller. It's pretty impressive. But yeah, it was a pretty good punchline there where you see the guitar, and like it's bad enough as is, and then you find out there was no guitar. So it's even worse. Yeah, I'm trying to like repicture it. And it, it, I guess his privates could still be covered even without the guitar, but. I'm guessing they weren't. Probably not if the Ted felt the not. need to pretend there was a guitar there. But then I don't know why he tells his kid there wasn't. Now, do they? Does his, what is wrong with his mother? Does she envision him putting this up on his wall? <laughs> Maybe it was a surprise to her as well. She has just lost her mind with this guy. It's unclear. I cannot imagine a scenario in which Tyler, as an adult, and I'm dating someone... God forbid. God forbid. I said God forbid. And I'm allowing this person to speak to him about me in this way. Right. I like the best wedding ever delivered in unison. (laughs) Not unison. I I don't know. The, the, yeah, what do you call that word? They each say one word of it. Yeah. The friends, yeah, Marshall, Lily, and Barney. (laughs) And then... So Clint excuses himself to then go up on stage and sing a song that he wrote for Virginia or about Virginia because she is, she's waited for a muse like her. And so this is the result. Yeah, for some reason, every time Jen and I now see somebody get up in front of a group of people with a guitar, <laughs> we think this is going to happen. And the dragon. Even, even at my uncle's funeral. When someone got up and started strumming, and when the words are a little flowery, mm-hmm. uh, we go right to this, right. Well, and then which causes us to almost start laughing at a funeral. With the baby naming the other day, there was a guitar, too. Right. And we looked at each other. <laughs> and then we looked away, so we didn't start laughing. <laughs> it was very timely. It starts off, when I squeeze your trembling bosom. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the blood pumps to my loins. When I penetrate her... Wow. It's, it's a lot to sing in a room full of people and relatives. and. The, you can see the aunt standing behind him, making sort of a scrunched face, like, what the hell's going on here? But then I did <laughs> notice at the end where they're re-singing the chorus, uh-huh. she's, like, laughing and clapping. Oh, okay. So it, it won her over eventually. I was going to say, at the end, it seems like people are really into it, but it also seems like people that are probably part of whatever hippie community... Yeah, right, it's, it's like Virginia's family and then him and his hippie friends. <laughs> right. Uh, we find out that Ted blacked out for the next 12 minutes after hearing the penetrate line. And he wakes up to kind of everyone singing along. 
So I guess we're a few choruses in, so people know the words by now. <laughs> and Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi and the pancakes. Everyone. And, and the, the dragon, dragon. And you, Virginia. <laughs> it's just so insane. I love it so much. Uh, I wonder if the writers put any thought into why these words went together. <laughs> I hope they did like a random generator of like <laughs> put random stuff together like and see what happens. Muhammad got he's in sort of Indian pajamas mm-hmm. is what he's getting married in. And he says I think he says Mahalo at some point. He does say Mahalo. So But that's Hawaiian, right? Oh yeah, what am I thinking of? What do what do they say like a yoga? Namaste? Namaste, yeah, never mind. I'm thinking Namaste, you're right. Mahalo. Um but Mahama Gandhi, yeah, he, he seems to be into that culture because he talks about many lives. Right. That's right. We didn't bring that part up. Like when he's introducing the song, he's saying, my entire life, well, this life. And then like all his friends like kind of laugh knowingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they might enjoy pancakes together, but I'm just, I, I can't place the dragon in this. What if Maybe the, he would slay a dragon for her and that was part of the song. What if the dragon's his loins? We know Puff the Magic Dragon was about weed, so maybe we get we get <laughs> that in there somewhere. Yeah, that shows back up. What are you talking about, Greg? It's about a boy and his pet dragon. <laughs> <laughs> are you a pothead, fucker? <laughs> and then we have Barney running up to the table, towing Robin along, telling everybody that Robin was crying at Clint's song. Yeah, they do a little flashback and show her crying and him questioning her and her saying, I don't know, they're just so happy. And and in the middle of it, she thinks, and the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and you. So he's happy to see her crying, and that's when he's dragging her over. <laughs> he's like, and then I told you guys what Robin just did, but you were there for that. <laughs> I got to tell the rest of the wedding. I'm Meredith. And he just runs off. Yeah. <laughs> So Ted laments that, you know, being single at your mom's second wedding isn't great. We get a quick montage of everybody I, again, asking him. I'm, I'm back to... Now, we know it's Ted. He Well, it's Ted. He's of that certain age. He's, what, like, late 20s at this point, if not early 30s. Yeah, he just constantly thinks of himself as someone who should be married by now. Right. This is such an old way to think. That I don't yeah, think but he, these are all older relatives. No, I think my point is they probably wouldn't write a story like this now. I don't feel like guys that are around 30 are really concerned that they're not married yet. I don't know that they were even at that time. I think that was supposed to be the anomaly. Is he an anomaly? Like, yeah, it's like Ted is, Ted's a guy who's ready to settle down. He wants to you know, kind of start that part of his life. I don't know. I, I feel like because I, you know, I was around in the 2000s. I got married for the first time in 2003. All my friends were getting married around that time, so we were all in our mid-20s. And so I could kind of see that being a milestone that people thought they should reach in their mid twenties. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I guess, and maybe maybe it's more still like that than we know because we're older. We don't (laughs) know what people in their twenties are thinking. Right, but no, I I think you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if the age of marriage is starting to creep up again. Because yeah, I think like a lot of my friends are married. Because yeah, between probably like mid twenties to early 30s it was when most of my friends ended up going to weddings that you ended up getting dragged to. Mm-hmm. 
She would just sit through the <laughs> the wedding cascade twice. <laughs> Your own friends and the night friends. Yeah. <laughs> so party's still going around telling everybody that Robin cried. He already he sort of talked to the camera almost. Oh, I told you already. <laughs> right. And then he goes, Tina, Ted's hot sister. <laughs> I'm surprised we don't get to see Heather in this. Right. I mean, I guess. There was just no room for a story that included her. Yeah, why bring her back for a you know, two-second cameo? And then Ted just decides he's got to go. Marshall tries to kind remind of him about his toast. And Ted just, he can't handle it. He's got to leave. <laughs> like Barty. Uncle Larry, hand to God, Niagara Falls. And he's like pulling Uncle Larry by his arm, like across the room. It's Even after he shows him Robin, he's still pulling. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's so weird because we do know that it, it did end up being him. Right. I couldn't remember if they left that a mystery or if we find out the truth, if it was you know, yeah. sort of like a zoo or false situation. But he does confess at the end that it was him. And. He's him taking advantage of this lie so much. I guess, I mean, he paid the money for it, so. <laughs> True. Get his money's worth. And then it turns out Ted's been radio silence for a while. I, I guess he he was gone for about 72 hours. Which, to my true heart obsessive, that's way too many hours to not hear from somebody. They should have called the police. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. There's a bad Barney joke about... They're at McLaren's at this point, and there's a bad Barney joke about them being out of pretzels, and Robin might cry. And he brings, like, the biggest stack of napkins I've ever seen. Yeah, that was weird. Ted shows up, and he's... They ask if he's okay, he's better than okay, he says, and then he takes them for a ride. And we cut to them being in the car, and Ted being in a strangely, like, bouncy good mood as they're driving. Like, demonstrably happy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Marshall says... Hey, buddy, you want to maybe let someone who isn't having some sort of manic episode drive for a while? <laughs> so they get to where they where they were going to go. Or do they not get there yet? He's, does he tell I them about like it on the way? I feel like they've parked somewhere, although it doesn't really look like it's in a neighborhood, so I don't know. So he talks about, you know, he's been thinking about how far behind he was in his own life, and so he went to his February website. They mistake it for porn. Yeah, everyone's like, ew. He says, no, not that. That's it's not the part his, of the night I was talking about. Yeah, his, it's his favorite real estate auction website. We, we all, all have one. <laughs> and he just bought his dream house. Okay, now at this point... The, I yeah, think they this, are inside because yeah. then a rat runs through the right. room. Right. I think they start in the car with the explanation and then end up in the house. So and he had just finalized the paperwork for this. It's pretty dank. <laughs> I do like the interaction between Barney and Marshall. Was the Blair Witch easy to deal with, or did she haggle over the closing costs? And Marshall, don't even joke about that. Yeah, it was okay. (laughs) He starts showing them around. Like, he's really got it all planned out. I don't... I'm dying to know what he paid for this. Because, you know, if he got it for 30 grand, yeah, not not so bad. Yeah, did we ever find out where it is? No, and I don't even think we truly find out. Well, I mean, one day we might. Right, but at this point we don't know like how far into... We don't even know in which direction. I, we got to assume right. it's north of the city, but it could be Westchester. It could be you know west of the For city. For some reason I, I was I thinking Westchester, but I don't know if that's just because that's a stereotypical suburby place in New York shows. Yeah, it seems beat up enough where he's more or less paying for the lot. Yeah. 
So it might not be such a bad part. The, the whole question of whether or not this was a good purchase is how much he paid, and we don't know that. Yeah, I mean, and then he goes on, obviously, you know, to be paying rent for years and years more, so he couldn't have had, like, a huge mortgage on this thing. He says, you know, it's going to take, or someone, I think Lily says, this is insane, it's going to take years and a small fortune to make it livable. Ted says, reminds them he's an architect, he'll find a way, and if he starts right now... He'll be done by the time the old wifey and I are ready to move in. And Barney says... Is she in the room with us right now, Ted? <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, see, I like the Marshall one better. <laughs> he hopes he's going to... He hasn't found Mrs. Mosby yet. He hopes he will soon. He knocks on wood, and then we get here more rats squeaking behind the walls. Mm-hmm. And Marshall's telling them to kind of lay off, get in on him about this. And then we get into a series of gags that I, I didn't really care yeah. for. Yeah. It, maybe it was funny at the time. It didn't hold up if it was. I, I thought some of the stories were a little fun. Actually, the one, the where he goes down the... The, <laughs> the one off the roof. Yeah. I, that one was good. The other two were kind of lame. And the whole game of kid or drunk, eh, I, I didn't really go for that one. Right. And they try to tie it back in the end. It doesn't quite work. Yeah. I do like one line that they use that... We'll get to later. Okay. And they needed this to get to it, I guess. But, yeah, th- this really dragged the show down. Mm-hmm. This was a really short sh- uh, episode. It was. There's only, like, ten printed pages when usually it's 13 or 14. Oh, no, this is only seven for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Smaller font. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I did notice that when I printed it. I was like, yeah, this is short. So the first thing was him dropping bottle rockets to the toilet, drying them off the microwave. He was drunk for that. And that's when Barney starts nagging Robin again. Yeah, I'm glad Robin got it right, because she's very sensitive and fragile. And then he's like, you know, stage whispers about how she cried at Clint's song. And Robin just finally has enough and was like, it wasn't me. <laughs> it would have been better if she did a Ted. It wasn't me. Or, or no, or is it Marshall? She's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, it was Marshall. <laughs> you were a drinking game. I think they, <laughs> it would have done well to do a, a more exasperated. It wasn't me. Right. They so all tur- gasp. <laughs> it turns out Barney, it's a flashback to the wedding. Barney's the one crying instead of her. But then he offers her $500 to say it happened to her instead of him. And then we see him dragging her over to... To, to make fun of her. Yeah, in front of the, in front of the gang. Yeah. And then we have... I just have him marked as Inspector Guy. I don't know if he got a name. No, yeah, just Inspector. I, I, I left the guy out because <laughs> we don't know how he identifies Jen. Valid. You're so... You're so Stuck in the past. I am assuming gender. <laughs> I should not be doing that. But nevertheless, the inspector shows up. I like the inspector. Yeah. He's got sort of a good comedic timing to him. Well, actually, I think that's the same guy that was on, was it Boston Legal? I think it was on Boston Legal, and he had, like, a very shy personality, but then he had kind of, like, this alter ego woman side to himself that would, like, be all sassy and, like, really confident. When you started off, I was thinking Urkel and Stefan, but then you said female sassy side. Well, it reminded me when you had said, like, the gender thing, because I was like, oh, yeah, that's that guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> now I have to double-check that, make sure I'm not also being racist in this and assuming it's somebody <laughs> that's not. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> fairly confident that that's that guy. Your bra-torching friends are going to really be mad at you after this episode. Do I have bra-torching friends? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I try, maybe there's I was, a reason I don't. I was trying to think of something ultra-liberal and, can, <laughs> and so you cancel culture but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My references aren't very modern. 
you and your cancel culture friends are really and you weren't even watching have a falling out. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, we get to the next Marshall gag of once he a bad decision was that he tried to ride his bike down an extension ladder from the roof of a two story house. You almost seem like that might work if it was the the incline wasn't so steep. Yeah, if you could get it. I mean, it would have to be a pretty strong ladder, though, because it would be very bendy mm-hmm. in the middle. Yeah, I can see a kid making that logic. <laughs> I like how he wasn't wearing a helmet, either. <laughs> but and apparently just... it wasn't even like his brothers were around, like, trying to convince him to do it. I guess he just did it. How did he get his bike up on the roof? He carried it There's up the lot... ladder. No, I don't think so. There's got to be, like, a window up there that he took it out of, but that would still be kind of big for a window. Yeah, I'm going with he carried it up the ladder. Or his brothers were involved and carried it up the ladder for him. By the time we see him, we see the ladder, it gets to the ground. They've panned down to the ground. He's already knocked out. It's <laughs> just splayed out on the ground. And Judy runs out. Marshall's dead! <laughs> Marshall's dead! <laughs> and he was a kid on that one. <laughs> and come to find out, he came out of the coma in under a week. Yeah. Ted wants to show everybody the porch. He has you know big plans for this. He's going to grill out every Sunday. They bounce around some... Sausage fest versus sausage party names for what he's going to do, and then decides on burgers. Yeah, that was all fine, and he points out, you know, they think this is a huge mistake, but, you know, he wanted to have a wife and kids by now, but he can't control that. He wants to have a wife, house, and kids by now. Can't control the first two things, so he's just going to go get the house. The universe is being kind of a wad about the whole wife and kids part. I don't know why, but <laughs> that descriptor is funny to me. And then we get another drive, uh, Marshall driving his brother's car the wrong way down I-94. He was a kid. Did he get arrested for that? That seems like the police would be involved very quickly. Yeah, we don't know how that one ended. They're, they go back into the living room as the inspector's also entering. He's a little bit wet. And it turns out he's got leaky, they've got leaky pipes, but the, like the bright side is the pond in your basement is drowning some of the larger, slower rats. But the rest of them, well, they're headed, headed this way. way. <laughs> you know, Lily's really on him, like this whole episode about, you know, how much of a mistake this was. You rushed into this. And Ted tries to turn it around that, you know, you can find problems with any decision. Marshall, you know, knew immediately that he wanted to be with you. Um, and, you know, what if somebody had been there second-guessing that decision on you? And then we get a fake flashback of <laughs> Marshall and Lily saying goodbye after a date, him saying he wants to marry her after she leaves, and then the inspector, same one, <laughs> brings her back into the room and, and warns him that uh, she has some structural issues, the hips are not Erickson baby compliant, um, the mouth does not have a proper filter, didn't you always picture yourself in something Spanish? Now, this is the first time we're hearing this about Marshall. Right. Exactly. Was that in his head, or is this... Like, it's kind of confusing whether this is being described by Ted or... Right. That's true. <laughs> but Ted says, you know, Marshall took the leap of faith, and that's the best thing that ever happened to you guys. And apropos to nothing, Barney jumps in and says that it was Robin that cried at Clint's song. I like his... But but she said, I know what she said, but here's what you didn't know. And then he... We get a fake flashback of Robin asking him to take the blame again, that she can't handle being made fun of all the time. And, you know, maybe they're buying it, but then... <laughs> he Yeah, he agrees to this in this flashback. And then he ruins it by saying she made a mistake letting him go. His penis is enormous. <laughs> right. And everybody was 
you know, going to believe him, but he always take it one too far. All right, the inspector comes back and basically said this house is a dumpster fire. Don't buy it. Yeah. Ted said he already bought it. <laughs> Should we <laughs> list some of the stuff or just well, it's Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of things you would normally hear, the, except for bats, rats. Well, we know about rats. There's a raccoon, or the raccoons, raccoons. <laughs> and the hobo. Um, he recommends that he does not buy. Ted said he already did buy. Buy this godforsaken Guantanamo Bay of a house. And I suggest we all get our asses out of here before a medium-sized wind blows the whole sumbitch down. Sumbitch down. And this is what I was trying to recall when we were buying our house and we didn't get an inspection. <laughs> and I like, really wanted to give this little spiel, but... I couldn't remember all it's, the details yeah, it's, of it. It's a long, it's a long <laughs> soliloquy. But we already bought the sunbitch. Marshall, did he say hobo? <laughs> it's better leaves laughing at him. <laughs> and he says that at least there's not any termites. Right. So he's going to go upstairs and keep inspecting. But Ted's still, you know, trying to be optimistic. He, he sees what it can be and, you know, a good home for a family, the family that he eventually wants to have. And as he's having that, the inspector falls through the ceiling. And he falls kind of, fl- like, he's Flat horizontal. Yeah. He's horizontal. He belly flops down. You would think he would fall feet first. You would think that. <laughs> Turns out there's termites. This is my least favorite, I think. Robin says, hey, well, the good news is the inspector killed some roaches on impact. Right. Ted's starting to think maybe they were right. This is a huge mistake. Everyone's, but everyone's moving on but him. Uh, Marshall Lilly just got a place years ago. Robin's getting serious with Don and Barney. Maybe that's a new tie. Thank you. Jeez. Which I don't know how you can be friends with Barney and feel like you're getting left behind on anything. And Ted says, you know, he's ready for the... But with all this said, he's ready for the life that fits into this house. And Barney says, you know, it's all right. Sometimes people make the wrong decisions. Like your mother. (laughs) We get a story from Barney and another please don't from Ted. So this is going back to Brunch. Was that the name of that episode? Yeah, it's from Brunch. It's a callback. They call back to the, the story of the brooch, but let's go ahead and run through this. Like your, I'll be Barney. Like your mother. What do you mean? Ted, as you know, I've always been very, very fond of your mother. Please don't. In fact, Virginia and I share a special moment back in 2006 B.C. before Clint. What the hell are you talking I about? I wanted to be your dad. What does that even mean? Don't you talk back to me, young man. <laughs> and so this is why he cried at Clint's song. Yeah. The bastard took her away from me. All he's left was the memory of dropping her off, so we get a flashback to him and her in the car as he's dropping her off the airport. And they're finished. She's, he, she's finished off the story of how she got the brooch, so he says, and that's how you got a brooch. Unbelievable. Right. And they're and just so, dying of laughter. Right. And so I, I think it was that brunch right? Ted's house at when one When he first point. meets her. Yeah, Barney says something. He's like, there's a story behind that brooch, and I'm going to find out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> this little unnecessary callback to that. And then on the radio plays the song Night Moves by Bob Seger. <laughs> yeah, and so they're being like a little The awkward. moment gets a little awkward, yeah. They touch hands trying to turn up the radio. They sort of freeze on that for a minute. And uh, she's saying, you know, they're, they're doing a little small talk. She's saying, you know, we made good time. And he's like, not a lot of traffic. And stupid. <laughs> I love it. Stupid. Right. We get a lot of those in this show. 
And then they end up kissing, which, you know, seems possibly believable. And then I like before they kiss, he goes, listen, Ted's mom. <laughs> now, he's already been calling her Virginia. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's weird that he's calling her Ted's mom now. <laughs> and then again, we get it. Your penis is enormous. He, he still maintains it. That Everything all else happened. Yeah. And then we get a bad line here. Because, yeah, Barney's saying Ted's mom's a cougar. Robin objects, saying, you said cougars can't be over 50. And Barney decides that she's a melon camp instead. That doesn't make any sense. I don't like it. It doesn't. Yeah, it's stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> Although Ted's still down on himself, Lily tries to cheer him up by pointing out there's a sledgehammer here. We can bash the living hell out of this house. Ted thinks that, speaking of stupid, he thinks that's stupid. And then Barty, I, th- I guess to rev him up, although yes. it may be true, he goes, your mom and I got to second base. And then he just starts smashing. <laughs> yeah, he, and they all take a turn. Everybody seems to be having a good time. And then Ted disappears again for another there, Yeah, there's one last thing hours. i got to do, and he takes off. And this is before Uber. And, uh, so how did everyone get home? Yeah, he, gets, he takes off, says they didn't see him for 72 hours. Why is it always 72? That's weird. I guess maybe he had to go drive to his mom in Clint's and then stayed there for a day or two. Oh, that's right, because they live in Ohio. Right. Shaker Heights. And as, after he leaves, Robin points out, he was our ride. <laughs> right. Mean move. Although they, they don't make any effort to go after him. He's only been gone 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, they did have cell phones at least back then, so they could call a cab. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was still kind of a dick move. So we get Ted at Virginia and Clint's house. They open the door to him, and he says he never got to give them their toast. He was selfish, and he freaked out, and it's basically Clint welcome to the family. And Virginia hugs him and says, Ted, and it sounds like she's going to say something very sweet. Mm-hmm. And she kind of does, but she goes, I am so baked right now. I'm only <laughs> 60% sure you're actually standing in front of me. And then the rest is normal, you know. Mm-hmm. I love you too kind of stuff. You're the best son anyone can imagine. Clint joins the hug and then releases a puff of smoke that he's been holding on to. Quite some time. That was impressive. So we get the narrator saying, yeah, there's no logical reason why Virginia should be with a guy like Clint. But, you know, as you kids know, being with Grandpa Clint was the best decision your grandma ever made. And sometimes the best decisions are ones that don't make any sense at all. We cut back to the new house. Ted shows up there, Marshall's outside, working a grill on the porch, and just says that, you know, although Ted said that he was going to sell it, Marshall knows him better, and Ted never actually listens to reason. He goes with his heart, and his heart's both a drunk and a kid. Yeah, I don't, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It was a callback to the drunk or kid, well, but yes, what, it's, what it says is that he, he sort of leaps without looking when it comes to his heart. As as a drunk person or a kid might do. And so that's why he knew that Ted wouldn't, isn't actually going to sell this house. Okay. It doesn't work for me, but if it works for you, that's good. It doesn't save all the bad (laughs) drunk or kid scenes before, but I I think it was a decent way to wrap it up. So we get the narrator saying that sometimes... That life is funny and sometimes a little magical. It can take a stupid decision and turn it into something else entirely. Because kids, as you know, that house is this house. And as he's saying this, the house, the old beat-up house yeah. is slowly building into the background of where the, kids, where the kids sit when he's talking to them. And that's a sweet moment. I remember you know, seeing that for the first time. It's just like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> it was. I, I got a little misty. 
with it. Yeah. So I accidentally threw out Jen's ranking sheet that she keeps track of to help her guess what episodes are ranked, but I, I will allow this. So what range? Give me a, you know, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with 60 to 70. You got it. 69. Damn. My favorite joke is the song, of course. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Least favorite, maybe the Mellencamp. Yeah, since you went with that one. Or maybe the Killing the Roaches on Impact. I'm going to go with... Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it's yeah, when he's dancing with the lady, he says, yeah, for all I know, I'd end up sharing a dance with my future wife. He dances with some lady, potentially an aunt, and she's talking about boiling jam jars, and it's if you don't do it, it's a welcome mat for bacteria, and... Yeah, but Ted says that wasn't her. I'm just like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. pretty weak. Yeah. The next episodes we have are Twin Beds, <laughs> Robots versus Wrestlers, and The Wedding Bride. So we've got oh, a good man. stretch here yes, of really good episodes. The last, and then we have, so there's only four left, and then the last one is Doppelgangers, which is eh, but not, not horrible. At least it's the one where Ted dyes his hair blonde. Oh, God. <laughs> Got some lemon juice in the old mop. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good good streak we have coming up. So be sure to write to us. Where, Jen? Recaps at gmail.com. That's right. And since right now I am totes baked, <laughs> and I'm only 83% sure that we've actually been doing this podcast, I'm going to get going. So nice we'll call back s- on the 83. See, see you next week for Twin Beds. <laughs> Bye. Love y'all.